Okay, we good? We got pens, we got really bright paper. If y'all start looking at me like this, I'm going to know that it's because the paper is really bright. But uh, paper you've got in front of you is yellow because the color of joy is yellow. And so I wanted to just start with that, just a little piece of happy. Um, so we're talking tonight about unleashing God's power in your life through joy. And um, I don't know about y'all, but like I, I talked with Pastor Corey earlier this week, and I just told him, I said, I, I really, really want this teaching to be just very genuine because I've, I've sat in settings before where people have talked about joy, and they try to convince you that the Holy Spirit is so good that you should be laughing your head off right now. And it's very, like, forced. And I didn't, I just, you know, the Holy Spirit's not forceful. He's a gentleman. Um, but there is a lot of joy to be had as sons and daughters in his kingdom. So I believe he's going to impart some real joy to us tonight. Um, if you would, if you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 16. I'm going to work really hard because my part of my joy is over there. But, but actually, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can come back. It's okay. Okay. John 16, and we're going to look at verse 22. Um, first of all, sometimes, at least to me, joy has seemed like one of those things that um, seems like kind of an extra thing. Like, okay, yeah, that's nice. It's icing on the cake to be happy, but, you know, it's just kind of neither here nor there. Um, but joy is actually incredibly important to the Lord. And God wants you, wants us to have joy in our life for some, probably some reasons that we might not realize. Um, look at John 16, verse 22. Um, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. I want you to remember that. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And this was one of the, um, the last, one of the last things he said before Jesus was arrested in the garden. If you look down, um, chapter 17, verse 13. He, this is where Jesus is praying over us. He's praying to God over um, those who were believing in him then and then over us who he knew would come later. And he said, um, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So joy was something important. This was one of the last things that Jesus talked about on the earth. Before he was arrested, before he was crucified, it was joy. And I never, I never realized that. So joy is important. There's something to joy that God wants us to take hold of. Um, the verse that we all know in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay? I want to talk about what joy is. Okay? The meaning of joy is cheerfulness. It's a calm delight. It's a tranquil gladness. Okay, and if you're taking notes, I'll say that again. Joy is cheerfulness, a calm delight, 
a tranquil gladness. And for whatever reason, when I really looked into this word joy in the Greek and I found that out, it kind of brought relief to me because sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like hopping up and down. Woohoo! I'm happy. I'm good. I'm joyful, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just me. Um, but true joy isn't necessarily this hyper through the roof, ah, might be a, a fruit of it, you know, at some point, but true joy is a calm delight. It's a tranquil gladness. And that just sounds good. Like in this life, when things are so crazy, a tranquil, peaceful, calmful gladness, calming gladness sounds good. And here's something I, I realized in, in studying for tonight that I never thought about before. There is a huge difference between joy and happiness. They are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Joy is the source of happiness. Joy is permanent. It's abiding. It's everlasting. It's not dependent on circumstances. It cannot be stolen unless by sin we separate ourselves from God. Happiness is defined by positive, pleasant feelings. It's temporal. Your happiness can be stolen pretty easily, okay? On your way to church tonight, your happiness may have been taken like that when somebody cut you off. Your happiness can be taken from you in a second, but your joy is something that cannot be taken from you. Jesus even said that in his word. Your joy will not be stolen from you. We all live through a variety of circumstances in our life. Some are wonderful and some are just plain stink. So we may not always have happy circumstances, that we may not always be happy, but we can have joy no matter what. Okay? Uh, let's see. Jesus is all about setting us up with things that are eternal, that last. Happiness comes and goes, but joy is eternal. You can be, you know, it's just amazing how we kind of get into a place where if we're in an unhappy circumstance, we think, well, we're just unhappy. But um, joy is what enables us to endure. Joy is what enables men like Horatio Spafford, he was the man that wrote the hymn, It Is Well, to write that hymn at that point in his life. This is a man who was ruined financially through the great Chicago fire. Shortly after that, he had to stay behind and he sent his family on a ship to travel somewhere and his four daughters were killed in a shipwreck. On his way to meet his grieving wife, he wrote that hymn, It Is Well. Was he happy? No. Out of, I can't even imagine that heartbreak, but there was an abiding joy in him that enabled him to see past it, enabled him to operate out of something abiding and everlasting and eternal, enabled him to operate out of joy. And then look, we're still singing those words now. Joy is eternal. Joy is a knowing. True joy is a knowing. It's, it's us knowing who we are in Christ. The gospel brings joy because the soul can finally be at rest with God. Joy because a future that once looked very, very dim has now been painted bright with hope. The joy that's in Christ is deep 
and it's abiding. So we've got to be a people who make sure that we are that we understand that difference between joy and happiness. We may not be happy, but we can have joy. A lot of um, the things that I'm going to be saying tonight, I wish I were smart enough to have come up with, but I read a commentary by a man named Alexander McLaren, and it was he's it was just amazing. So a lot of what I'm saying tonight is stemming from him, um, and then. I've just, my desire for tonight has just been to really understand joy because I know I need more of it. I know that I let my circumstances come in on me and affect me and, it, and I've allowed things to seemingly steal my joy and not hold on to the fact that joy, actually when we are children of God, joy is a right. We have a right to be joy-filled, okay? So where does joy come from? Number one, Joy is a natural result of faith. Faith in God naturally works gladness. Our relationship with Christ, Galatians 5.22, tells us that the evidence that Christ dwells in us are those fruits of the Spirit, love, which we talked about last week. And then right after love is joy. Love, joy, peace, all that great stuff. Faith ultimately comes down to trust. How much do we really trust the Father? How much do you really trust God to come through for you on on your behalf, in your specific circumstance? How much do you really trust that He's going to do that for you? Because it's very easy, I find, oftentimes to believe for other people. You hear things like, oh yeah, God's got it. But then man, when something happens with you, it's like, I don't know. God, I don't know if you're going to do this for me. Okay. How much do we really trust God? The answer to that question will directly correlate to the amount of joy that you have in your life. You take a second and you really think, okay, how much... Oh, <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. Okay. Ask yourself, how much joy do I operate in in my life? And the answer to that question is going to, you'll find that if your joy is here, your trust in God is probably right about there. If your joy is here, your trust in God is probably right about there. The two go hand in hand. Doubt comes from an absence of the felt presence of God. When we do not make it a habit to get into the presence of God and we just haven't had that time to be in relationship with Him, That's where doubt creeps in. The deeper our relationship with Jesus, the deeper our joy. There is a wonderful woman that comes to this church named Anita Williams. And Anita Williams has lived a life of true long-suffering. She has endured many a heartbreak. And I don't think I've ever seen that precious lady without a smile on her face. And you cannot endure the things that she's endured, the loss of children. You can't endure that without that abiding joy. The more shallow our relationship with Jesus, the more shallow our joy is going to be. So take that, I call it that self-inventory. Where is my joy at? (laughs) 
in this situation, how much joy do I have? And remember, joy is that calm delight, that tranquil gladness. It's not how hyper are you and how great are you, you know, maniacally laughing about something, but how much tranquil gladness do you have in your circumstances? Okay, that may put a little bit of a highlight or a spotlight on an area in your life where we've got to trust God a little bit more. Where, oh, okay, my, I don't have joy in this situation because I'm not trusting you. So I want to ask Jesus a question, okay? I like, I want to make sure that when we listen to the word that we're also doers of the word. So we're going to take a second And you've got this question before you, but I want us to really ask the Lord this question tonight. Okay? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to, if you don't have a place that you kind of go to in your heart with the Lord, then um, just kind of picture yourself someplace with Jesus there. And I want you to look him in the eyes and I want you to ask this question. Jesus, what areas in my life am I not trusting you with? you sense him telling you something, write it down. If not, you've got this question, you can go back later and ask him. Ask him this, where have I not completely believed that I am forgiven? I know that I'm forgiven. I know that you have died for my sake and you've risen again, but what place in my life have I been deceived and thought, I'm not forgiven for that thing? The more that we allow God to speak his truth in our lives in these areas, the more joy will fill those places of doubt and unbelief. Okay? And um, I don't want to interrupt a good conversation with you and the Lord, but I am going to move on. And let me just say, if in those moments you didn't, you didn't feel like you heard anything, please hold on to that question and take it back to him. Because I promise you, you know, none of us, we say this a lot, none of us are as free as Jesus died for us to be. And if we can get a hold of some things with, you know, realizing some places where we're not trusting him, that will open up our lives to, to more of his fullness. Okay. All right. So where does joy come from? Secondly, the amount of joy in our lives will be affected by our perspective and our thought life. Think about the things that you think about as much as you can. Take that self-inventory. What we choose to focus on can either cloud our joy or give us eyes to see it better. I am, and I have realized, I think especially now transitioning from being in the workforce to being a stay-at-home mom, it's very, very easy to start thinking and thinking and thinking and doing nothing but thinking. And then all of a sudden I find myself not thinking about God things, but thinking about, well, I don't like this about myself and I don't like this. And and I, and I it's just a downward spiral. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, Bradley comes home and he's like, how's your day? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, We all have thoughts that we have to battle against. We all have um, hard things that happen. We all have sad thoughts. 
But one thing I love from <clears throat> that commentary I told you about said, um, I'll tell you what you can do or refrain from doing. You can either go and stand in the light or you can go stand in the shadow. At any given day, we can either choose. This is where we have some power. We can either go stand in the light and think about all the ways God is good and for us, or we can go stand in the shadow and, and throw the pity party, which unfortunately I like too much sometimes. You can either fix your attention upon a truth which will make you glad and strong, or on a half-truth which shall make you sorrowful and then therefore weak. If we focus on the things that make us upset, the things that just haven't been going right, it will make us sad. It will take away our, our gladness. Or at least, and again, your joy cannot be stolen from you, but your, your realization that you have joy can quickly go out the window when you tunnel vision and focus on these sorrowful things. And it can make us weak. Being without joy makes you easy prey for the enemy. Makes you easy prey for the enemy. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, think on these things. So when we're tempted to get into that Y'all ever, like when you're driving in your car, if something's happened with someone, like a conflict, do you ever go into that dialogue that you would just, like those things that you would love to have said to that person? I can find myself driving in the car by myself and just, and then going, no one else is in the car with me. And that, I'm just, I'm just tunneling down a spiral. I'm not getting anywhere. Because I'm focusing on my anger or I'm focusing on my frustration. Um, I need, we have to remind ourselves, okay, switch gears. What's something true I can think about? What's something honorable, just, pure, lovely? The Word of God is a great place to start. The better we understand God's Word, the more comfort we find in it. The darkness of trouble arises from the darkness of ignorance. I read that this week, and I thought that was amazing. The darkness of trouble, because we're all going to go through something at some point. The darkness of that trouble can arise from the darkness of ignorance, meaning when something happens, if I don't have the Word of God on that thing, then yeah, I'm going to get into a dark place. But if I have the Word of God on that thing, I'm going to have some joy. Some of you know we've had some, a few little issues with my son, Jackson, when I was pregnant with him, we had to, um, we got pushed into having to go see a specialist for his kidneys when I was 20 weeks pregnant, and that was like a hit. Um, he was breech, and so I had to have a C-section, and um, because he was breech, he's had some neck issues, and da 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 If I could, I could sit and I could get really upset really quick about all these things that have seemed to happen, but... What I choose to do is I choose to focus on the fact that my little boy is fine. He is healthy. We're having to do some things to keep him that way, but he's healthy. Thank God. That brings me joy. That, that helps me have the endurance to work with him every day and do physical therapy with him with joy and not, oh, oh, I got to do this. 
you know, and trust me, I have those days where I haven't been so great at that. So I'm preaching to myself. Two, if our thoughts are chiefly occupied with God and what he has done and that he is for us, then we will have that peaceful joy. When the enemy comes knocking and he wants to discourage you and he wants to tell you how bad stuff is and how you're not going to make it and how you're not good enough, when he comes up to you, he should see an occupied sign on your head. Occupied, meaning I'm thinking about things that are true. I'm thinking about things that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. I'm not going there, enemy. Occupied. We have to keep our minds occupied, meaning that we, it's, and this is not, we're going through something hard, I'm just going to pretend like everything's okay. That's what's really off-putting to me with some people when, or that I've heard in the past, like, where the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's almost like they're totally denying that they are in like the worst situation in the world. True joy is going, hey, I'm in a hard circumstance. It's not fun. I'm not happy about it. But God. Okay? So we can have joy no matter what. Your relationship that, and we, we use that term so much, sometimes I worry that um, it loses its luster. But having a relationship with Christ means having a connection, having a bond. And to have a bond with Him, we have to spend time with Him. Having a relationship with Jesus is the true source of joy in our life. Anything else is simply a counterfeit. And it won't last. May last for a second, may make you happy for a second. But our true source of joy is our relationship with Christ. We should not live to work towards joy. How many people live and work and strive so that they can finally be happy, so they can finally be joyful? That's totally backwards. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We have an ongoing relationship with the King of Kings. We are not to work towards joy. We're supposed to work from joy, from the joy in our hearts. We're supposed to work from that. So the second question I want us to ask tonight Jesus, what else besides you have I sought as the source of my joy? Let's just take a minute and ask Jesus that question. Jesus, what else besides you have I sought as the source of my joy? The Bible shows us how to ask for correction in this matter. Psalm 51, 10 through 12. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Maybe our, your children have, have, you've looked to them to be your joy. But then things happen and that's very hit or miss because <laughs> our, our children are human. Maybe it's our spouse or a job 
or that sense of fulfillment that we get whenever we do X, Y, Z. Maybe we've sought a thing or a person to be that joy, and we've gotten things out of whack. I think this psalm is a great way to realign some things. It, it just very clearly says, God, sorry, let me just get me in line with you. Salvation, renew the joy of my salvation. Salvation is not something, again, that we're working toward. Salvation is now. <coughs> salvation is deliverance, it's prosperity, and it's safety. Now, right now. When you walk out these doors and you go home tonight, when you go to work tomorrow, you are working out this salvation. Ask the Lord to renew the joy in that, that he has redeemed you from the curse, that, he, that you have the right to live happy and joy-filled lives. Salvation is now, not just in the hereafter. That's how we can work from joy rather than working in vain trying to attain it. If you're working every day and striving to get joy, you're working in vain. We've got to realign ourselves with the Father and realize that He is our source of joy and we have full access to Him 24-7. So we can work and operate from that. Why is joy so important? Why does this... You know, some people, I think, too, we don't believe that we're worthy of it. We don't believe that we're worthy of joy because we've taken some hard hits and we just think, well, you know, it's just the lot that I've been given. Every single one of us as sons and daughters of Jesus has the right for this joy. So why is joy so important? Number one, joy, and don't let this cloud you over. Joy is a duty as a Christian. It's actually a commandment. Are they in the, I know it's not one of the ten, but the Bible tells us and kind of co- and commands us, neither ye be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What is strength? Is it my muscle mass? Okay. The joy of the Lord, it's your abiding, calm knowing that he's got your back that he's working on your behalf, that he is good, that his every motivation for you is love. And there is nothing else. There is no yeah, but. His every motivation for you is love. The Bible says countless times to rejoice. And again, rejoice. Why is joy so important? Well, it tells us to be joyful. So that means that we do have the ability, even when we don't, even if it doesn't seem like it, to be joyful, even when we're in unhappy circumstances. But it is, and this is, I think, the most important part. Joy is important because you must have it to overcome. You must have joy in order to overcome. Um, yesterday, my Bradley and I took my son Jackson to Dallas. Um, where they had to, um, they were kind of checking on things. He's had issues with his neck that we're doing physical therapy for. And um, part of what comes with this is they've kind of told us from the beginning he may have to have a little helmet. helps with the shaping of his head. Well, we went to this place in Dallas, and then they bring us into this room, and you have this huge piece of technology 
and I'm holding my little baby, and he's just looking around, you know. And these people are awesome because all they deal with are babies. And so they've got a big stack of toys, and, you know, all they're trying to do is get a basically a picture to see what his head looks like. So they sit him on this little stool, and they're going, Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. And he's so just, just kind of like, you know, his attention is so caught by the lady, you know, being all over the place and the toys and the flashing that he didn't cry. He was just in a pretty scary circumstance for such a little baby, but he was fine. Okay? Why do parents try to make their children laugh or catch their attention when something, when they get hurt or their child is sick? Why do we do that? Okay? Okay? Because they know that without joy, that current obstacle will be difficult, if not impossible, to overcome. I mean, that, that's just a natural instinct in us. If, you know, if a, if a little kid falls on the floor, and it's usually not an immediate cry, they usually go, like they look around going, should I be upset? Or, and they look to their parents first. And I love it because usually I see if the parents freak out, then the kid freaks out. But if the parent goes, oh, you're okay, and the kid's like, oh, okay, you know, they're fine. So, and again, it's not about denying that I fell down and I scraped my knee or denying that I'm in this really scary, unfamiliar situation, but it's about our perspective that, okay, mommy, I'm in this really weird contraption that I could be really scared about, but you're right there, and everything really is going to be okay. We have to have joy in order to overcome. You will have no more power for obedience. You wouldn't be fit for your work if you fall into a depressed and hopeless state. So, if the devil knows that, that a joyless Christian is unarmed and vulnerable, then likewise he knows that a joy-filled, joy-focused Christian is impenetrable, is bulletproof. So doesn't it make sense that he would try to distract us, that he would try and make the waves look a lot scarier? He knows that in doing that, in distracting our perspective from the fact that God has us and that he's on our side. He knows that if he can take our joy or at least distract us from it, that we won't overcome. The devil is just scared. He's scared because he knows how powerful it is that when a Christian is joy-filled because we're bulletproof. Come at me. I'm going to be fine. Because no weapon formed against me will prosper. My God is on my side. My God has overcome the world. I'm full of joy. Doesn't matter what it looks like right here because I have an eternal perspective. Therefore, I have joy. Occupied. Occupied. Anytime the devil comes knocking at your door, occupied. Don't have time for it. That's what it's got to come down to. We talk a lot about how to speak against things and all, and that's great. But sometimes it's just, no, I don't have time for you. I only have time for the Lord. That's it. That's it. Occupied. 
Last question I want us to ask, and I'm really excited about this question. Jesus, in what ways have you sought to catch my attention this week? To impart joy so that I might be filled with your joy that I've missed. What ways this week, Lord, have you tried to catch my attention with your joy to give me joy that I've missed? Anybody hear anything? Again, if not, I don't want to interrupt a good conversation. But if you, if you feel like you're still trying to get there, please don't, don't neglect that question because there is such a sweetness there when you realize that somewhere along the way, even this week, maybe even today, God tried to catch your attention just like that, that worker yesterday was catching my son's attention, not to make him deny that he was in a scary circumstance, but just to give him a little joy, to give him a little perspective. Where has God been doing that with you? Where has he been just not trying to make you deny that it's hard, but where is he trying to catch your attention? to remind you that it is going to be okay. He's got it. He's right there. You're, it may be a scary circumstance, but he's right there. For me, and, you know, I, I, I come from, my dad has a great sense of humor. Some might think it's a weird sense of humor. But, you know, when I asked the Lord that question, it was so sweet because, you know, yesterday I, I had been, yesterday was a big deal for me, for mama. Taking baby, you know, there's kind of a stigma around these little helmets. And I remember seeing kids, you know, all over the place and I've never known what they were for. So I always thought, oh, they're poor thing. They're really not that big of a deal, you know, but to mama, they are. I don't want my baby to have to wear a helmet. So yesterday taking him to this place and it's very unfamiliar, I was just kind of like, thank you, Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. Sometimes you have to fake it before you make it. It was kind of one of those days. My feelings were just, I was trying to make my feelings catch up with my faith, and it was really, really hard. So when I asked him that question just a minute ago, Lord, where this week have you tried to catch my attention? He just said, you know, that little sock that they put on his head yesterday. They had to put a little thing over his head. And so you could just see like this much of his face. And he just knows my sense of humor. Now I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's just kind of funny looking. I mean, bless him. He's just sitting there with his little face in a sock. And, and that was just, you know, Lord knows my sense of humor. It's weird. I don't laugh at jokes or punchlines. I laugh at the way things look and the way things sound. If you fall down, I'm going to ask if you're okay, and then I'm going to laugh at you. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, you know. So if you didn't get an answer, please, please, please spend some time Maybe at the end of every day, especially those days that you just get away from you, you know, like some days you're like, yeah, I was on today. I was walking with the Holy Spirit. I was doing good. Other days you get home and you're like, oh, that got away from me real fast. At the end of those days, especially ask these questions when you're lying in bed at night. A great thing to do is just ask the Lord questions and just listen. Okay. And if you ever hear anything judgmental, condemning, 
negative, that's not the Lord. Okay? But ask him, okay, Lord, today, where did you try to catch my attention that maybe I missed it? Because those those answers will be so personal, you'll be really operating in relationship with him, bonding with him, it will spark your joy. No one can take your joy from you, but we can definitely forget to to focus on it and to live out of it. If we have hearts full of light and souls at rest in Christ and the wealth and blessedness of a tranquil gladness within us, work will be easy, endurance easy, sorrow will be bearable, and trials not so hard. Joy is the key and the answer for this life. Because number one, we have a relationship with Jesus, and out of that place brings much joy. And when we operate from that, we overcome, period. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll close. God, I thank you for your steadfast love. I thank you for your abiding joy. I thank you, Father, that in a world where things seem completely out of our control, where things seem to be taken and stolen from us, that you have left us these, these presents, these jewels that no one can take from us. I thank you, Lord, for this thing called joy. Father, that you so thought was important that you... It was one of the last things that Jesus prayed for us, that our joy would be fulfilled. Lord, I don't need to ask tonight for more joy. It is there. The pool is there. The well of joy.